a lot of weddings would have not happened that year. YE1 Daily Podcast as we continue to fly through the 1990s on our whistle-stop tour of past Tottenham Hotspur seasons. Today there are just the three regulars, so no superstars brought in, even though some may say that we are now superstars due to this daily project. Welcome Peter and Sim, how is celebrity life and uh, lockdown treating you both? Yeah, yeah, very, very creative stuff going on on the music side. Yeah, I'm finding that this is a kind of more of a spring than... I've possibly ever noticed before because you, you're noticing more kind of wildlife when you go out, I don't know, and kind of more plants are coming up and just going for a little walk every day is, is kind of more of a daily activity. It's almost like can become the highlight of the day. So I think we're starting to notice what is the month of spring a little bit more, if I may say. I think, Sim, surely the highlight of your day is editing and uh, writing the script for <laughs> the podcast. Yeah. As ever, Sim, Peter and I wish you all the best of physical and mental health during this pandemic and try our utmost, like the vast majority, to trust the government and health experts who are leading us into a new phase of COVID-19 prevention in spite of Sunday's questionable public address from Boris Johnson. Let's move on to the season then. The season today is 1995-96. So having replaced sacked club legend Ozzy Ardiles in November of the previous year, Jerry Francis led us to a seventh-place finish in 94-95, but had to manage a great degree of change during the season we're reviewing today, including the sales of key players Jika Popescu, homegrown fans' favourite Nick Barnby, and leading goalscorer Jürgen Klinsmann, who had recently hit 30 in all competitions, not to mention an almost unrecognisable squad for the Intertoto Cup. We literally had the youth team, a couple of reserves and some mercenaries, those are the words of Irish defender Owen Cole, one of the youngsters having joined us from Enfield FC, who featured in Brighton, where we played our home matches, the Czech Republic, where we beat Slovenian outfit Rudy Valenji, and also we played away at FC Cone. That Intertoto Inter- Inter- <laughs> escapade was amazing looking back, wasn't it? Absolutely amazing. Similar results in that competition. Yeah, well, <laughs> some of them made pretty grim reading for um, even now. It's it's actually our heaviest ever defeat was in that competition against Cologne. Nick mentioned something in yesterday's podcast about, you know, he was talking in the context of the Newcastle game where he was almost at our heaviest or our joint heaviest ever league defeat. But he did touch on the fact that we were sort of made to play in this tournament by UEFA for whatever reason. I know we'd finished seventh in the season before and I don't know if that was kind of the reason why we are in it, if the league position kind of stretched down there. But if we previously said that the UEFA Cup was a punishment to be in or the Europa League in, in a nowadays context, what what kind of a bloody punishment was this? Just starting so yeah, early. this was, inc- <laughs> this was incredible, start, Peter. It started in June. Yeah, that's the problem. So, so I mean, that's when traditionally... Players go and get married, don't they? A lot of weddings would have not happened that year. 27th of June I think, June I think you're spot on. Then, at the other end of the season, probably would have caused a bit of fatigue. We're quite lucky that the squad was so unrecognisable, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the squad was crazy because I remember Chris Day, the goalkeeper at the time, said it was just a bunch of 18 and 19-year-olds and some lads at the end of their career. I mean, Sim, who who was actually in the squad? The squad was Chris Day, as you said, in goal. Mark Newson, Owen Cole, 
A very young Stephen Carr who had actually hadn't solidified himself in the team until I think he broke in to be like a first team regular in the season after, didn't he? That we spoke about yesterday. Simon Spencer, who I've not heard of. Alan Pardew was was in the side. He was on loan from Charlton for those four games. He didn't kind of continue on with us, but like you said, players were just brought in just for this. Jamie Clapham, a youth player as well, who did play a few times for us and kind of moved on having not really ever established himself at the club. Kevin Watson, David Byrne, I think he was a 34-year-old striker. Andy Turner, the winger that um, we spoke about a few times in this podcast. And Steve Slade. And then other players who featured were another youngster, Simon Wormel, Robbie Simpson and Paul Mayhorn. But to be honest, a lot of these players will just complete those names will just go completely over a Spurs fan's head. I'm actually not sure the club has ever included this in the official records, which is quite interesting. But anyway, and, and another reason, Simon, before you go on to what results we had, we wasn't allowed to play our games at Wyatt Lane purely because we'd had the London Monarchs playing American football the season before, so the pitch needed a rest, which is quite interesting, given the fact that you know we still have that relationship now with NFL, don't we? Yeah, yeah, it sounds very familiar. Yeah, Sim, do you want to give us the results? Yeah, so we started the campaign with a defeat at, like you said, Brighton's Goldstone Stadium. Goldstone ground even. So we got beaten by Luzern, who are a Swiss outfit. We got beaten 2-0 by them. And we also lost to um, a Swedish team called Oster in our other home game in the tournament. In between those games, we actually beat the side that you <laughs> you were made to pronounce in the intro, Rudar Belenje, I believe, from, from Slovenia. Yeah. And that game was actually played in the Czech Republic. And then the final game against Cologne was that 8-0 defeat, which remains our heaviest official defeat in what UEFA would call a competitive game. I don't think that's listed, Sim, as our uh, bit heaviest defeat I think, on the club records. Mm. I think it's still the Liverpool it's one, Liverpool, Peter. Um, do you remember the Liverpool yeah. 7-0? I'm sure it is, yeah. Mm. Yeah, which is strange, it. isn't it? We touched on it when we talked about the um, Newcastle debacle. Yeah, yeah. debacle is the word but it's interesting though you know playing in that competition and possibly at the time you know we wanted to get back into Europe and it was a gateway into Europe but you know it was a you know you couldn't play your best team in there otherwise as I said Peter said earlier the fatigue towards the end of the season would have been horrific yeah, yeah but it steps over your pre-season plans as well doesn't it really having something like that going on in June Wimbledon did exactly the same thing in that tournament and we both ended up getting banned from Europe for next season, but it did get lifted on appeal. I'm not totally sure if Wimbledon's one I sh- I sh- got lifted. I'm just, I assume it did, but yeah, yeah, it's funny they did the same thing. Sheffield Wednesday were in it as well, but I think they <laughs> took it a little bit more serious, but they still didn't go through their group. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's get on to the real stuff. So our season actually, uh, before the season started, as we said, it was Jerry Francis' first full season. We spent about as much as we recouped in that summer, which was around £10.5 million. So the summer sort of departures of Nick Barnby, Jika Popescu and Ili Dimitrescu went in the winter. I think he went. He actually went to West Ham, but he, he had to leave West Ham in the summer because his work permit ran out or he had some problems with that. So, you know, he, he moved to West Ham for one and a half million. Popescu went for three million. And I think he'd gone to Barcelona to be Ronald Koeman's replacement in their defence. I remember Chico Popescu because he scored a winner in an off London derby. He was a lovely footballer, wasn't he, Peter? Do you yeah. remember him? Yeah, he was a lovely yeah. footballer. It's classy, classy. I mean, we had a kind of like a standing toe to toe with Arsenal during that 
kind of period. He was a lovely, silky um, centre back, wasn't he? He was. I mean, to go to Barcelona from us, it was. Uh, yeah. You know, he was a decent player, wasn't he, Pete? Yeah, yeah. And Dimitrescu was part of Aussie's dream team, where we all were like <laughs> nine forwards and no defenders. Also, Darren Kasky when John Hendry went as well, he's a youngster. He scored actually two goals in a North London derby when we beat uh, them away 3-1. The name Kasky, he's one of those guys who sort of like hit one of those spectacular goals in a game. And I can't remember the game what it was, but it was another one of those guys who thought he's going to be a star and then it just didn't happen. Did a Dean Marnie. Dean Marnie is the guy I'm thinking of and Darren Kasky did a Dean Marnie. Kasky for me is one of our classic like midfielders like we've got at the moment. Say he's like a Harry Winks or Oliver Skip. Yeah. He has so much potential, but Kasky never moved on. I mean, hopefully Skip and Winks will move on. Peter, do you remember much about Kasky? Yeah, I just I remember him just being like quite a classy kind of I don't know you call them water carriers, but he seemed to have potential for goals as well, which uh, a, a little bit more yeah. than Winks, you know. So just a shame. I, you, you just wonder why these players don't kick on. Sim, what players did we bring in? Yeah, so as you said, those players went out. Bambi actually went for quite a bit, didn't he? Five, five and a quarter million. That's yeah. quite a lot of money for, for 95. In came Chris Armstrong. It was a big signing from Palace, four and a half million. It took him a little while to score, didn't it? He, he had a decent season and had quite a decent career with Spurs, didn't he? But at the beginning, he, he was... He did. Uh, Jerry Francis was subjected to what a waste of money chance. It might have been a controversial signing because he'd, he'd failed a drugs test, hadn't he, in the March when he was with Palace. Uh, yeah, he had, yeah. I don't think he scored for us for a real long time, till about October time, I think, was his first league goal, I think. At Palace, he was kind of in the shadows of Ian Wright and um, Mark Wright, so it was kind of like brought in, really, to replace them. Who who else did we bring in, Sim? Clive Wilson came in as a free agent from QPR, but he was 33 at the time, so as Bob said yesterday in a podcast about 96-97, we brought in a, an ageing left-winger to fill our left-back problems. He was a good footballer though, wasn't he, Peter? Clive Wilson? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just maybe perhaps passed his best. I'm pretty sure Clive Wilson is a big Spurs fan who, who's actually a season ticket holder oh, maybe get at him Spurs. Yeah. There's one more big player we brought in, I think. Yeah, big signing. Rural Fox for four and a quarter million pounds from Newcastle. He came in the October. And Andy yeah. Sinton also came from Sheffield Wednesday in January. Rory Allen is another player who came into the squad, but he came for the youth system. Uh, yeah. And of course, of course, Alan Pardew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hopefully, Alan Pardew wasn't doing his dancing. No. We spent uh, 10 million and we brought in about 11 million. Just as some context of our spending again, because we keep talking about Sugar not investing in the team. Newcastle, that transfer window that season, spent 22. Everton, 15. Arsenal, 16, including 10 million on Burkamp. Liverpool, 17, including 12 on Collymore. Blackburn spent more than us, 12 million. Man City spent more than us, 10.5. Villa spent ten, the same as us. Middlesbrough, 12 million. Manchester United, 500,000. Which is incredible, isn't it, looking back? But that, that they had their youngsters coming through at the yeah. time. Yeah, this was, um, the, this was the class of 92 season, wasn't it? Where all they, they had that exodus, didn't they, with Konchelskis and some of the more established players. And then the youngsters came through and won the league this season the double they finished up winning the double with that Cantona goal because they had the youngsters coming through but they had Cantona as the kind of talisman didn't they yeah Yeah, they did and Andy Cole was still there as well which was interesting I think pretty much the team was Walker in goal for most of the season Austin was fullback but interestingly Sol Campbell played fullback quite a lot that season Peter do you remember that I don't I seemed a bit 
tall for a fullback. I, I never like tall players in fullback positions, really. Yeah, Mitchell Thomas was another one, a yeah. tall fullback. Yeah, uh, Charlie Choluka as well. I, I just don't, this just doesn't seem like they can turn as easily. He actually played a couple of games at centre midfield as well, yeah. which I did, think did he you know front he's well. got that presence of, of being a good centre midfielder. You think? Pretty good on the ball. I mean, an athletic kind of guy, I guess you know. Mm. Um, we also had in the centre backs uh, that season. Basically, it was Calderwood and Mabbott because we had a very settled team that season. Calderwood and Mabbott, Clive Wilson or Justin Edinburgh at left back, and then the midfield was Rule Fox, pretty much played every game. David Howes, Jason Dazelle, pretty much played every game. Andy Sinton played the majority, and then we had Sheringham and Armstrong, and also Rosenthal up front. Peter, what, what was your sort of thoughts on Ronnie Rosenthal? Rocket Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of those guys where I think there was a maybe perhaps a, an issue with consistency. Yeah. It's, just, it's kind of like one of those kind of loose cannon strikers where you, you're not really ever going to show what you're going to get. Yeah. Maybe like, a right, like Pavlochenko could like do nothing or, and then score like four goals in one game or something, you know, just depending on how the moon aligns with the stars. <laughs> I, th- I think it's spot on with Ronnie because he was yeah. so erratic. Something Suddenly yeah. he might do something really good, but then you just never know. What, I don't think he knew what he was going to do next. Just a quick question, Sim. I think Anderton only played eight games that season, which is interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting. I think the most interesting thing about it is because he went to Euro 96, didn't he? I know there are questions about Jerry Francis handling of him and possibly subsequent seasons after this and maybe he's kind of was overplayed when he shouldn't have done and Dr. Crippen was our physio as we established yeah. yesterday yeah. <laughs> so but yeah it was it was interesting that he went to Europe he did go Euro 96 didn't he yeah and played yeah. Yeah. he did he played, he played every game yeah so that was that was curious Peter do you remember there was a big thing about Spurs had a lot of fitness and yeah. the play you know there was thing about Francis overtraining do you remember that I don't remember that specifically talking about that but I just know that players like I mean, what's changed really, you know, players seem to just go down with these long-term kind of layoffs, you know, and you, you just wonder what's going on there. When you're thinking about your own club, you think it's happening to you more than I'm sure it was happening to everyone. I don't know, we had pretty bad fitness records. Chris Armstrong, as you said, had a quite a good first season despite not scoring early on. Sherman got 16 goals in the league and 24 overall. Armstrong scored 15 in the league, 22 in all competitions. So that's not too far off. Yeah. Or too far off, or That's decent, isn't it? And they pretty much played every every game. We had a very settled team, as I said to you. Sim, can you sort of take us through, you know, our start? Because we started not very well, did we? Yeah, it's an odd start. We we didn't win any of the first four. We drew with City, lost two home games to Aston Villa and Liverpool, and then drew at West Ham. But then we won four in a row, and that seemed to kind of kickstart what was a fairly decent season by the standards that we're that we've been talking about recently, uh, these 90 seasons. Yeah. And I, I, I was just looking at the at the league table and our points tally was pretty good. I mean, we finished the season on 61, which even today, that would be a pretty high points tally. But I think maybe because there was only one very, very strong, consistent team season on season, which was Man United, maybe it was the points were more shared out in the league around this time, would you guys say? There was no dominant teams. It's the closest to a level playing field that you were going to get really when you consider what came afterwards you had like four really dominant clubs didn't you after this period yeah I tell you what's interesting Peter though that Man United finished first with 82 Newcastle second 78 Liverpool third with 71 but Villa finished fourth with 63 Arsenal fifth 63 and then they come 
Everton, Blackburn and Spurs on 61. So we were like, you know, we were close up there to qualify for the UEFA Cup. And Peter, we talked about this a lot. Imagine if we'd have qualified then. It may have been a completely different next few years for us because possibly, do you think Sugar might have thrown a bit more money at it if we got into Europe? I don't know how much the rewards were for being in Europe, but perhaps, perhaps that might have happened. Getting into Europe probably had a bit more kudos in that competition than it does today, really. It was more exclusive, exclusive yeah. wasn't it? And you know, Chelsea were never in the Champions League, as it were, around that time, but they did kind of have that revolution under Matthew Harden, didn't they? Where they had kind of, if it, even if it was players that were maybe towards the twilight, like Rude Hullet and Viali and people like that, they were still able to attract players from Europe because... They could still perform on the European stage, so maybe it did have a have a bearing being in the UEFA Cup there. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right because I think you get some momentum, don't you? Hoddle was the one who started that Chelsea revolution by bringing in the Italians, and then and then the Matthew Harding money did come in. Yeah, I mean Chelsea finished eleventh that season, um, and their manager was Hoddle that season, actually, Peter. Mm. Yeah, but uh, I, yeah. I remember him bringing in Viali and uh, Hullet, you know, and that was the start of like. Then you've got people like LeBouf and all those guys coming in. We actually drew with Chelsea twice, actually. We drew with them home and away. And we actually beat Arsenal and we drew with them at home. So we didn't lose to them either. No. It's just West Ham we lost to at home 1-0, which was bitterly disappointing. But, Tim, <laughs> can I just take you back? You know, we had this run of four games, then we lost to Forest. But then after that, we went on a monster run, didn't we? We did, yeah. So, as you said, we won four in a row. We beat Leeds, Sheffield Wednesday, QPR and Wimbledon. Lost to Forest, unfortunately. But after that, we lost one game in 17. Unbelievable, and, isn't it? Yeah, it was incredible. It was like, that stretch from the end of August into Boxing Day. The Forest game was the only game we lost. It started in August when we lost the third game, wasn't it? And then the Forest game was yeah. kind of, was during yeah, a run of 17. That's incre- It was an incredible run. I think from memory that season, we drew a lot of games, which sort of said to me, when we look back at the team, Peter, you know, we our midfield of Fox, Dazelle, Howes and Sinton. I mean, that's possibly why we drew a lot of games, because we were solid. Do you, did you feel that? Yeah, it's just a solid workman-like kind of midfield. Not anyone in there you think is going to set the world alight. Real Fox had his moments, of course, you know, but compared to what was at Old Trafford, then I think, yeah, pretty... Pretty workmanlike. I'm not going to say run of the mill, but quite workmanlike. Yeah, I mean, what, what was your sort of thoughts on Rolf Fox, though, his career at Spurs? I mean, he was tricky sometimes, but I'm not so sure myself. Are you, Peter? Inconsistent, you know, like, you think that there was some magic in there, but just not enough. As we said, Anderson played eight games. Peter, do you think if Anderson played more games, would have qualified for the UEFA Cup? 100%, 100%, because uh, that guy could run and run. You could have him on one side and Fox on the other. I think that's kind of like a bit of a game-changer if he could have stayed fit. Going back, Peter, do you think it was a negative transfer window given the fact that we were selling our best players? Yeah, well, you you know, we of... sold Popescu, Barnby and Klinsman. Those kind of names going out the door, any team's going to suffer. And I thought that the triumvirate of Barnby, Anderton and Sheringham had this bit of potential magic just a few years earlier under Venables. It just looked like... That was going to be the core of our team for many years to come. I was really particularly sad with the, the sale of Barnby. He got that shin splint injury. I don't know if you remember that. I do, yeah. He's a real promising yeah, 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 he just shocks. He was a real promising guy for England as well. And then he just got these shin splints. And then that was it. You know, he just never seemed to come back to 
his best and then he ended up a long time on the sidelines and then eventually being sold. He reminds me of Paul Scholes because he was a yeah. you know, he started his career up front and then he became a midfield. Yeah, he was a, he was a really technically a lovely yeah. footballer. He had wasn't an he? eye for goal and as you say, fans favourite. Yeah, but the link up. Yeah, with really him, liked him. The link up with him, Sheringham, and Anderton was something else. All England yeah, players really was as well, good. you know. Sim, is there any sort of standout results of the season? Yeah, there were a few standout games. Yeah, so we beat Man United four one. Actually, blew them away. Yeah. At the lane. Yeah, I actually went to that game. Actually. Oh, you did. It's you a did. New right. Year's, yeah, it's a New Year's Day game. I mean, I was really, it's really cold, and I was really hungover. But that that sort of perked, had a few beers before the game, and that sort of perked me up. We started well. I'm pretty sure Campbell. Well, I'm positive actually. Campbell played centre midfield that day with Darren Caskey. They had Beckham, Bart, Keane, Giggs, Cantona, and Cole. But yeah, we won four one. I think Armstrong got two goals that day. But yeah, Campbell played midfield, and I, and I remember thinking. He was a decent player in midfield. Desai was around at the same sort of time. And I felt possibly, I remember coming out thinking that could he be like the new Desai for us? Possibly that was a better position than him than being a fullback because he wasn't, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I genuinely think he would have been a great centre midfield player. Maybe Man United were hungover as well. I think you're right, but that that was the real standout performance. Sim, any other real standout games? Yeah, another one you mentioned was the Arsenal one, wasn't it? Armstrong got two in the United game, Sheringham got a goal and so did Campbell. But in the Arsenal one, it was Sheringham and Armstrong who got the goals. It's our second win against them at the lane in as many seasons because Peter mentioned the Popescu game the season before. And it's, I, was, I was just look, looking at the overall record against them in the Premier League. And they've actually only beaten us five times away in the Premier League, which I thought would actually be a, a lot higher before we started doing this project. Yeah, me too. That actually yeah. that shocks me, that does. Peter, yeah, I mean, does that shock you? When I sort of read that, I thought, yeah, it looked like we were standing toe-to-toe with them during that period. We clearly beat them less at their place, so they could kind of throw that back at us. But uh, we drew 0-0 at Highbury in the second half of this season. That was in April. And that's actually set our longest unbeaten run against them in the Premier League era, which is five matches. It's pre-Wenger, isn't it? It's quite disappointing, though, because, I mean, as I said before, if we look at the results, as of the 30th of March, we were in pole position and we had six games left. And of those last six games, we drew four, won one and lost one. I mean, we only missed UEFA by two points. Peter, how disappointing is that? Maybe it's that intertoto escapade at the beginning. It's come back to fly <laughs> yeah. you on the bum, isn't it? Anderton played in a few of those games as well towards the end of the season. But I just think we had such a workmanlike team, we just couldn't turn those draws into wins. Yes. Do you feel the same? It's just you need a little bit of extra je ne sais quoi. Is that the right word? To get you over Correct. the line. To get you over the line. And, uh, you know, uh, Manchester United had it in Cantona, didn't they? But do you think that that systematic again? We talk about this so often. That little bit of investment in one player, you know, like you know, Liverpool bought Collymore that season, and someone else bought Burkamp. You know, not that we might have got those players, but but why can't we get those players? You know, and it'd be a completely different ball game for us now, Peter. Don't you yeah, think? Oh, for sure. Had the honeymoon period ended with Alan Trigger. Peter, that is spot on. And Sim, I think from memory, you know, he took over in was it nineteen ninety? I think. And like, you know, he's four or five seasons, just not investing, was he? Yeah, wouldn't you think Blackburn were investing more than us and Villa? Having I said think that, that says everything. Having said that, did he even have a honeymoon with his wife? Who knows? Yeah. We'll come on to him in a future podcast. So in the end, we finished seventh, two points off fourth, as we say. So I think overall, Sim, pretty disappointing because we were so close. Yeah, I mean, it's. I actually feel quite positive looking at it, having 
<laughs> kind of remember the seasons that we've been doing recently. I think the season we're going to do in the next couple of days, whether it's tomorrow or the day after, is actually an even better season. It's, it seems like Jerry Francis had something going in the early days and, you know, maybe the stuff about Sugar not investing that we've just talked about and things like that, maybe it's just another, that was another case of the manager being undermined. Is there a possibility of that, do you think? I don't think he's been undermined, but I just don't think Sugar trusted anyone enough with his money. I think he treated it too much like a business and football isn't like any other business. I think they had um, Nick Hewer in uh, alongside him and also one of his other apprentice buddies. But again, they're from the world of business. They know nothing about football, I think. League position eight. And Sim, how did we do in the FA Cup? We did all right in the FA Cup. We got to the fifth round. We played Hereford United in the third round. They were in Division 3, which is League 2 in uh, those days. We drew 1-1 away at them, but we won the replay 5-1. Sheringham's got a hatchet. And then we went past Wolves, who were in the first division, on another replay. Clive Wilson scored in that game as his first first goal. And then we beat them 2-0. I went to the game, the oh, Wolves did. game at home, and there was a dreadful defensive mix-up between Dean Austin and Ian Walker, which enabled them to equalise. Just a champ. Typical Spursy, that was. Typical Spurs. Yeah, it was the home game that we drew with them. Yeah, so we won the won the replay away. Uh, Rosenthal and Sheringham scored in that game. But yeah, this um, from what we heard in the podcast yesterday, I kind of heard that Ian Walker had maybe <laughs> had a bit of a reckoning. Yeah, his wife was a good singer. Yeah, he though. didn't. Oh, she fancied herself as a good singer. Already, there's a mate of mine who was trying to do some vocals with oh, her. Yeah, yeah. Sam really? Walker. Sam Walker. She had paid three girls or something. She was like... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, she yeah, was. Yeah, his yeah. wife, yeah, correct. Yeah, his wife was a pastry girl, you're right. She fancied herself as a bit of a singer. Brilliant. We digress. So we're in the fifth round. We drew Nottingham Forest away. We drew the first game. We went to another replay, so we drew 2-2 two, mm. two there. Armstrong got a couple of goals. And then in the replay, we went out on penalties. So the game ended 1-1 One... and went to penalties. Yeah, I, I went to this game, actually. Yeah. It, was a re- it was a really good game, actually, because we were quite closely matched to them at the time. I remember Brian Roy scored for them, and then Sheringham hit a, a rocket free kick from a really long way out. It went to penalties. But again, I remember even this is this far back, I always thought, I said to my mate, we're going to lose this. And, you know, we three of our players missed penalties. We lost 3-1 on penalties. I mean, how dreadful is that? Wilson missed. Ronnie Rosenthal missed. Even Teddy missed as well. Yeah. Mark Crossley was in goal for them. But, yeah, is there a mental problem with us, Peter? Watching Spurs in penalty shootouts was a bit like watching England in penalty shootouts. We just never seemed to win them <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, I just don't understand, do you? I yeah. really don't understand. Yeah. Just on uh, Mark Crossley, he saved the penalty against Lineker in the 91 final, didn't he? He uh, did, yeah. Cup final, yeah. The outcome was a good outcome in that game, so... Uh, Kind of airbrushed that and the Gaza injury. Yeah, we we've, we lost seven penalty shootouts in a row after that and that only ended in 2013. Wow, that's unbelievable, Sim. Unbelievable. So the League Cup, was that, was that another debacle? I mean, we didn't get very far, did we? Got to the got to the third round of it, played three games overall. So we went through the usual, the customary two-legged second round, beat Chester 4-0 at home. Chris Armstrong actually scored his first goal, his first two goals for Tottenham in that one which kind of ended his duck in the early season. 1-7-1 overall on aggregate, so we won the away game 3-1. And then we went out through to at Coventry in the third round. Quite disappointing, really. But I think the season, you know, when you look at it, we're in four competitions into Toto, you know, and I think overall, Peter, we do sort of say it was a good season. We finished eighth. We sort of didn't really invest, you know, 
we got more money in than we sold. So, Peter, in your view, overall, good season? Above average. Yeah? Cool. Well, so, if we can go around the, the group, what would you give it in a couple of words? Sum it up. Is that yours, Peter, above average? Uh, uh, nearly, man. <laughs> yeah, nearly. Really, that, yeah. Great, great one. That is. Sim, how would you sum it up? I'd say eventful. I think there was some some positives. That's how I would sum it up. I felt there's positives the year before, and I thought we were really, really close this year in getting into the goal of the UEFA Cup. But again, I just feel there was a lot of average teams around at the time, and yeah. possibly if Sugar could have seen that gap there, you know, he could have made a lot of money from like us investing money, but he could have made a lot of money. Yeah. Do you think? Possibly, possibly, Mr. Trick there. Bruce Rioch was the manager at Arsenal. Roy Evans at Liverpool. Alan Ball at Man City. Bit of an extra nudge we could have got in there, I think. Anyway, guys, I think that sums up that season. Season 1995-96, finished eighth in the league. Thanks, guys, for listening. And Peter and Sim, thanks for being on the pod. Brilliant, too. Hopefully, we'll be able to see each other soon. Thanks, Ian. Take it easy. Pleasure.